share a brief lesson together. Brother Jerry Hall, if you don't mind, come up and read for us from John 4, uh, 16 through 30. Brother Fletcher, if you'll be ready to come up and read for us uh, John 4, 31 through 42. And we'll get started with those two readings. So first, let's have our Bibles open. John 4, and Brother Jerry will start in verse 16. Then Brother Aaron will start in verse uh, 31. Thank you. Verse 16. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that sayest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled at he, as he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man, a man which told me all things that, never I, that, I, that ever I did. Is this not the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Picking up in verse 31. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors." And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that ever I did. <clears throat> so when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe 
not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. From John 4 this evening, we want to focus on how to share the living water with other people. We focused, of course, this morning on the living water. We tried to identify what that is. We tried to see the quality, the goodness of that uh, water. We also um, endeavored to see many other matters in regard to that water. We wanted to focus this morning on the one who provides that water and the importance of being thirsty for that water and to see sin in our own lives. So let's go back into the text this evening and think about how, what are some thoughts? What are some thoughts? How, how can I better share the living water with other people? So I've got three categories uh, in mind. Some personal meditations and then some mental preparations that need to be uh, involved and then some practical tips. And so let's think along those lines for just a few minutes. Let's begin. If we're going to share the good news, the living water, we've got to take a hard look at ourselves. That begins with me, number one. Here are some personal meditations from uh, John 4. First, deep down into our heart, deep down in our heart, we must believe that the gospel is for everyone. Deep down in our heart, that is, we must believe that God wants us to be involved in carrying, sharing the good news with as many people as possible every single day of the week as long as we have breath uh, left in our body. We must believe that. John 4 verse 4, notice that it says uh, that Jesus must needs pass through Samaria. Uh, more modern versions would just simply say, well, he had to. But it's, the original language there is, is pretty powerful. The, the intensity of those verbs are, are powerful. In other words, he must do this okay, according to the Father's will, according to the time he had left on earth. He must go through Samaria to show that the gospel is for those folks as well. Many of the Jews look down upon the Samaritans. The Samaritans were looked upon as kind of a mixed race. This goes all the way back to the time when uh, the northern kingdom of Israel was taken away into Assyrian captivity. And many of God's people ended up um, uh, camping there. They ended up uh, settling there. And they... They married the people of that land. And even some took on the gods of that land. And they became Samaritans. I think it's, um, you can check me on this, something like Second Kings seventeen twenty nine. I believe it's the place where Samaritans, the word Samaritan is used uh, back in those days. Okay. The Jews looked down upon this mixed race. And they would look to them as not really uh, servants of God. And so Jesus comes, and in his mind, he must pass through here to show forever that the gospel is uh, for all. He must needs. The word must is often used in reference to Jesus' ministry. Uh, Luke two forty nine, when Jesus is 12 years old, he said to his 
his parents. He said, uh, did you not know I must be about my father's uh, business? We recall Jesus' words in John 9 and verse 4. We must work the works of him that sent me while it's day. The night comes when, when no man can work. And then the next chapter, John ten sixteen, uh, we read how that Jesus said, um, I've got others who need to be part of this fold, referring to the Gentiles. And I must bring them in uh, as well. And that's part of the, the Father's will. In Luke 19, 5, it was interesting as he looked to Zacchaeus up in that sycamore tree. He said, Zacchaeus, I must come to your house today. Again, a time when Jesus was showing that the gospel is for everyone, even for a despised publican. Uh, the gospel is for all. Luke four forty three, Jesus told those close to his hometown of Nazareth, uh, he said, you know, I've got to go to other cities. I must preach the good tidings to other cities as well because this is the reason, this is the, for this purpose the Father has sent me uh, into the world. And so Jesus had a divine obligation that he felt in his heart to come through Samaria. And this shows us how important it is that we refer to and that we think about that God wants everybody to have an opportunity to hear the gospel. That means that it, it means everybody. That means we think about and pray about people way over in, in East Africa and we, we pray about peop, pray for people in Hawaii, but we, we talk to people, as many people as possible. That that person at the grocery store, that person at the doctor's office, that person that comes by uh, your office, that person that you see at the at the gas station, any person that you see at any time we must begin, we must have to, we, we, I mean, we must see them as souls that God wants to be in heaven with him. We must take on the heart of God. We remember Paul saying in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4, God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, and that must be our heart as well. Now, here in John 4, Jesus is going to break down three barriers. There is the racial uh, bigotry that he is seeking to break down because the gospel is for all. Also, as you notice in the reading, that when the disciples come back from buying food uh, in the town and come back, they marveled that Jesus was talking with a woman. Okay. And that, that kind of barrier that the Jews had built up about not even speaking with a woman in public, that was very unnecessary. Very unnecessary. That had become a tradition, and that need to be needed to be erased uh, as well. And then the third big barrier that Jesus sought to erase was, of course, the sin barrier. This Samaritan woman, um, as Jerry was reading for her, she she's been involved in sin. But Jesus is opening up the door for her, as she will repent. Uh, she can go to work for him, which she uh, obviously did. So the gospel is for all. We must believe down deep in the recesses of our heart that that is true. That is true. Notice that Jesus says, going back to our passage this morning, John 4, 14. He said, whoever drinks of this water that I give him shall never thirst again. Notice the word whoever. Whoever. That, that, that's the ideal of the Lord. Whoever. Just like Revelation, uh, Revelation twenty two seventeen says, whosoever, whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Whosoever will, let him come. And that's, that's the thrust of the gospel. 
Jesus, in a great invitation, says in Matthew 11, uh, 28, All ye that labor and are heavy laden, come unto me, all of you, all of you. Gospel must be for all. Do I really believe that? Do I truly, sincerely, deep down believe that this ought to be my life's uh, purpose? And so that's, it's a great meditation for us to stop and consider. Remember Hebrews 2.9 says that, that Jesus tasted death for every man, for every person on earth. We must, we must continually remember that. We must bring that up in prayer as we tell the Lord, Lord, I remember this. I know you died for everyone. Help me. Lord, lead me to some soul uh, today. Paul said in Romans uh, 1 and verse 14, I am a debtor. When Paul said, said that, he simply mean I am I'm under heavy obligation to the Greeks, to the barbarians, to the wise, to the unwise. And you, you folks at Rome, I've not been there yet, he was saying, but I'm headed there because I'm ready to come preach the gospel to you as well. Galatians 3.28 says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male nor, free, nor female, we are all one in Christ Jesus. A second meditation, as we think about some personal meditations, second meditation is that we, we must have a, a deep personal relationship with the Lord. Okay? That bomb we talked about this morning, how that the Lord dropped a bomb on her and told her that, that he was and is the Messiah, John 4, 25 and 26, that bomb must first be dropped on us. We will never share the gospel with someone if we haven't been overtaken and utterly impressed with the Lord Jesus. And that has to be a continuous uh, process. If that's not happening, if he's not becoming your, your very best friend, my very, very best friend on a continual basis, then we're not going to have the courage uh, to talk about him. Now notice here in John 4 verse 6, in relation to this, it says that Jesus became wearied. Became that, this word is intense. It, it means he he was exhausted. He was, as we say, he was beat. He was beat. Okay, and it's because he had been doing so much teaching and traveling and work. It's perhaps he had been traveling all day that day. He was wearied. But think about who we're talking about here. We're talking about the divine word. Okay, We're talking about God coming to this earth. Look what he's done. Why is he here being wearied? Why is he here being hungry, Matthew 4, verse 2? Why is he here being thirsty, John 19, 28? Why is he here as a human being? Because of his great love for us. And that must live in our hearts. We must... We must never let that slip uh, from our minds and our lives. We talked a lot this morning about uh, different ways to become impressed with Jesus. One question that the woman of Samaria asked Jesus, and they're talking about this water at Jacob's well, she said, she said um, you've got nothing to draw with. And, and then she says, are, are you greater than our father Jacob? And eventually she would have to say, yes, he is. 
See, Jesus is greater than anyone else. I'm reminded of Matthew 12, 41. Jesus was uh, giving some rebukes to the Pharisees. And he said to them, The men of Nineveh shall rise up on the day of judgment and condemn this generation, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. And then, Matthew 12, 42, Jesus said that the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba, shall rise up on the day of judgment and shall condemn this generation because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is greater than anyone we could ever possibly think about. Even Moses, Hebrews 3, 1 through 6, illustrates this very well. The apostle in that passage, Hebrews 3, says that Jesus has much more glory than Moses. And he explains it like this. He said, just as the builder of a house has more glory than the house, so Jesus has more glory than Moses has. He goes on to say, Moses was faithful in God's house, doing God's work as a servant. But Jesus is faithful in God's house as the son of God as a son. Okay. Jesus is greater than, he's greater than Moses. He's greater than Jonah. He's greater than Solomon. He's greater than our father Jacob before Abraham was I am, John eight fifty eight. And you remember Jesus being on the Mount of Transfiguration and who appeared up there? But it was Moses and Elijah. But in the end, Matthew 17, verse Five, God spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Now, the idea is, is he greater than anybody else? And do, do I believe that? Do I believe that? The bomb's got to be first dropped on me before I'm going to try to share the gospel. It just won't happen otherwise. The Apostle Paul made this famous statement in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ. And that says so very much. A third meditation that we need to consider is, you know, how enthusiastic I am I about sharing the good news? How enthusiastic am I? If you look down to John 4 and 28, notice that the, the lady, as when she heard this, that he is the Messiah, and she had evidence in her, what, from what she had heard that day, she had no reason not to believe it. It says she left her water pot, and she went back into her village and began to tell people about this man who told me all things I have ever done. Uh, she left her water pot. You, you ever wonder about that? She... Did she, was she so excited and so elated, so joyful that she just about forgot about what she was doing and just ran and left? Or was it more precise? Was it more planned? Did she, she lay it down and say, this is more important now. I'm going to go do this, and I'll come back to this water pot uh, later. We don't know exactly what was in her mind, but you can see her enthusiasm. She was very persistent, very persistent. It is good for us to recall that this is not the first time that Jesus had been to a Samaritan 
a village, or at least there was another time in which he went to a Samaritan village. And things didn't go as well there. Luke 9, 53, if you'll, if you'll mark that verse, Luke 9, 53 says Jesus was heading to Jerusalem and the people saw that he was headed to Jerusalem and they were Samaritans there. And they, Jesus sent some disciples ahead and those folks, those Samaritans in that village told Jesus' disciples, we do not want him here. They would not receive Jesus there. Okay. But here in John 4, notice the success of this woman. Okay. I think that tells us a little bit about her skill. It tells us a little bit about her persistence. So we, that challenges us, doesn't it? As we think about our own enthusiasm. Notice as, as Aaron was reading for us a minute ago that the disciples came back and they said, Rabbi, eat. Rabbi, eat. And he wouldn't eat. And they wondered, well, has somebody already else, somebody already gave him some food? But no, Jesus finally says, look here, guys. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish, to accomplish his work. Now, it probably is the case that we are not near as enthusiastic and persistent as we need to be when it comes to sharing the good news. How many home runs did Babe Ruth have? Is it 714? How many strikeouts did he have? 1330. 1,330 strikeouts. Brother Maynard used to say, you've got to get so many no's before you get a yes. How very true that is when it comes to sharing the good news. So as we look at some personal meditations for each of us, think about the gospel is for all. Jesus ought to be imp- impressive to us first. And then what about our enthusiasm? And then another meditation is think about our eyes. Are our eyes on the human crop? That's what Jesus goes on to say in Luke 4.35. He said, lift up your eyes. Look upon the fields. They're already white on the harvest. Jesus is trying to get his disciples to see what he had just said. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to do his will and to finish his work, to accomplish his work. And by the way, that, is, that, that involves people. Okay. And probably, since the woman was doing her work so well, probably you could lift up your eyes and look and just see the Samaritans coming out from their homes and their places of work and coming toward Jesus. Jesus said, look at this. Look at this. Lift up your eyes. The trouble is the disciples, they, they had been lifting. They had been looking for people. They had not been looking at people as souls that needed to be saved. They were more concerned whether Jesus had eaten. They were more concerned about him, his reputation. He's talking with a woman in, the, in public. What's that going to do to our cause? They are more concerned about such matters as that when they ought to be lifting up their eyes and looking on the fields and looking for a harvest to reap. Okay. So enthusiasm plus our eyes on the harvest. Is, and so these are things that that need to be down deep in our hearts. And then 
before we leave the personal meditation part of our lesson, it's very necessary to think about unity when it comes to sharing the, the living water. And this is part of what Aaron read for us. He says, those who sow and those who reap can rejoice together. One sows and another reaps. You see, it's hardly ever the case that if someone is converted to Christ, that, that that's been because of the effort of only one person. It, that's hardly ever the case. Okay? Most of the time, a person hears something here and hears something there. He's influenced in a positive way from this particular uh, source and another source. And then finally, that person will finally put it all together and be able to uh, figure out what it is the Lord has done for him and what the Lord would have him uh, to do. And so um, that's just huge. The, the sower and the reaper rejoices together. You remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6. I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. Evangelism and sharing the living water is the answer for every problem. Every problem. Every problem. And the greatest thing that, that we can do to be unified is to be doing our best individually to share the good news. And God will work it out. God will work it out for, for folks to be saved. From our efforts and another effort here and there and the sowing of seed here and there, it will happen, but we must believe. We must believe. You see, Jesus is speaking with this, this lady, but he's not the first influence in her life. The Samaritans did believe in the first five books of the Old Testament, and they didn't believe much else in the Old Testament. They, they believed through Deuteronomy. And that's why she is able to say down there in John 4, 25, I know that Messiah comes. One passage that comes to mind is Deuteronomy 18, 15, 18, where God said to Moses, I'm going to raise up a prophet like unto you who will teach people all things. That was a reference and is a reference to Jesus Christ. She knew that passage. Okay. And so don't you see she had been influenced by whoever was able to teach her about the Christ from the first five books of the Old Testament. And then here comes Jesus alone to teach her more. And so the combining efforts. And then notice how the other Samaritans are coming from their villages. And so the combined efforts of, of the Old Testament and then Jesus and then this woman at Jacob's well and their own learning. You see it all gets pieced together and there's great unity in that. Later on, by the way, Later on, the evangelist Philip, we read about in Acts 8, verse 5, will go into Samaria and he'll have tremendous response uh, to the preaching of the gospel. So don't you see how these efforts are combining uh, together? So personal meditations. Our second part of our lesson, I want us to notice just real quickly some mental preparations that are pretty obvious when we are sharing the good news, we need to have a few things in mind that particularly need to be shared. One would be to help a person recognize that we're all sinners. Jesus helps this lady see 
that she has sin in her life, and so therefore she has a need uh, for the Savior. Okay. Uh, this attitude, this disposition is, is vital. You, you cannot come to Christ except that you know that you need Him because of your sin. And this is part of what Jesus is saying in Matthew 5, 3-5, through, through when He said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted. Okay. That's not just talking about somebody who's lost a loved one. It's talking about somebody who has developed the capability of, of mourning over their sins. Like James speaks of in James 4, uh, 7 through 10. He said, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners, and, and purify your minds, purify your hearts, and cleanse your hands, and, and turn to God. Humble yourselves in the sight of the God, he says, and Son of God says in James 4 verse 10 and he will uh, lift you up. Somehow or another we must, we, we start there a lot of times. Okay. And then the second thing we need to have in mind, a mental preparation as we share the good news is the authority of Jesus Christ. The credibility of Jesus. He establishes this with this lady but he's not here now. And so we must do that. We must help people with that. But if, since we have the record we have this record. We have the miracles of Jesus all throughout John, all throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's very simple to establish the credibility, the authority of Jesus. The Lord himself said in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen, all authority has been given, given unto me in heaven and earth. And he goes about to sustain that very uh, statement. And then a third thing we need to have in mind as we share the good news is timeline. Timeline, timeline, timeline. The Bible still says in 2 Timothy 2.15 to rightly divide the word of truth. And that's so necessary. It's, so, it's, it's, even, more, uh, it's, it's even more urgent today. People are t- take bits and pieces of the Bible and then try to construe a, a, a truth from that and really do not have a clue as what they're talking about when it comes to Scripture. Jesus here is trying to explain to her, especially down here in the part where he talks about, where they begin to talk about worship. He says, now, now the hour is coming. The hour is coming when there won't be a certain place to worship God. But all that are willing to worship in spirit and in truth, those are the kinds of folks that the Lord is seeking. He's seeking true worshipers who will do this. Okay, so he is pointing to a time where, where the... The system of Moses would end. We know that from Colossians 2.14 that the law of Moses was nailed to the cross. There's coming a change, coming a time. The hour is coming. He even says there in that context that that salvation is of the Jews. See, the timeline goes backwards and forwards. God has been working out a plan for salvation through Christ going all the way back to to the book of Genesis and up to Abraham and developing people through Abraham's seed and bringing those people out of Egyptian bondage and in through the wilderness and into the land of Canaan, all in order to bring Jesus into the world. Salvation is of the Jews. So we must have in our mental preparation, in our studies, at least these three things, okay, Helping people to see that we're all sinners. Helping people see the authority of Jesus and Him being the only way to come out of our sin. And helping people see the Scripture needs to be divided uh, properly. 
Sometimes this seems overwhelming, but this is the reason why our elders have been so wise to purchase materials like this here that we've looked at before, the Jewel Miller Visualized Bible Study Series. This brings a person through from, from Genesis all the way up to the time of Christ. And this is number four here. It's called God's Plan for Redeeming Man. See, in the first book, you don't get to God's plan for redeeming man because you're showing someone how God has been developing his plan throughout the years. Then you get to book four, and then you're ready to get down uh, to sharing the gospel and obeying uh, the gospel. It's just, it's just a beautiful thought. There are five in this series. We have plenty of these. But also there are other series out there at our track rack. And who who do but these series do basically the same thing, bringing folks from, you know, from a historical standpoint, showing how the Bible is to to be divided out rightly, and then it's simple to understand salvation in Christ. So, having seen some personal meditations, and then secondly, some mental preparation, let's quickly finish up with some practical tips. First. We need to begin with the end in mind. Looking down to the last part here, John 4, 40 to 42. This is when you see people coming. And many of them are believing in Christ before they ever get to see Christ. They're believing because of the enthusiasm of the woman. Okay. But Jesus stays around for a couple of days. And they're able to learn for themselves. And then verse 42 Several of the people remarked. They said, we first believed because of your word, that lady's word, but now we have heard for ourselves. And we believe indeed that he is the Savior of the world. That's our goal for our children. That's our goal for anyone that we're trying to influence for the gospel of Jesus. Begin with the end in mind. That involves a a way of leading someone to the truth and not telling someone what to believe. It's not our job to tell someone what to believe. You don't want someone to believe something because you told them to believe. Okay, That's been a, that's been a huge mistake that, that uh, parents have made, others of us, I've made that mistake many times. You know, I just say it, you ought to believe it. Why don't you just believe it? I just said it. But no, what the Lord intends is that people are shown for themselves, that this is indeed the truth. They know for themselves, you see. And that's where, we, and, and the idea is that they would see that Jesus is the Savior of the world. He's not just a teacher, he's not just a philosopher, he's not just a community organizer, he doesn't just go around but doing good. He's the Savior of the world for everyone. So I think that would be a practical tip to think about. And then also another one would be, Sometimes it works to, as you're talking to someone, to ask them to help you. Instead of just coming at them to say, here I, here I am to help you. Okay, that don't go over a lot, a lot, you know. I'm, I'm coming to your door and I'm here to help you. You know, they, they don't. But what does Jesus do with this woman? Well, he asks a drink from her. Okay, he asks for help. From her, 
which then was able to lead into a spiritual uh, discussion. When we were uh, involved in some of the Fishers for Men uh, sessions, one of the things that was emphasized was that when you go to someone, ask them to help you complete that course. Ask someone. I, you know, I'm involved in a series where we're trying to, to be more effective in sharing the gospel, and, and I need some folks to try this out on and to, to read some scriptures with me. Will you help me do this? Or you can say to someone, very honestly, sincerely, you can say to someone, look, I'm trying to be a better Christian. And part of being a better Christian is learning to share scriptures and saying it in an effective way. Would you mind sitting down with me and helping me uh, with that? And so uh, petitioning someone for help might be a practical uh, suggestion. Another a practical tip is to get in the habit of taking the conversation to a higher level. Jesus does this beautifully doesn't he just incredible especially here in john 4 i mean he talks about a gift so there are gifts and then there's the gift right john 4 10 if you knew the gift of god okay so that's it's a beautiful way of of talking to someone someone's talking about receiving a gift or a birthday or christmas or anniversary or whatever then perhaps you can go from just a regular old gift to the very gift of god the gift of salvation and he talks about, you know, just regular old physical water. And now he, he turns that into talking about the living water. John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the, I am the, the, the bread of life. Okay. And he that hungers can come to me and, and never hunger or thirst anymore. Jesus is talking to his disciples there in John 4, 31 about food. They come back talking about food. Have you eaten? Is, have you eaten? Have you eaten? And... Jesus said, well, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Okay. He, he begins to talk about a harvest. You know, there's harvest and then there's the harvest. Okay. So if we can get in a habit of, of raising the conversation, raising the conversation. If we, if we don't get in the habit of spiritual conversations, then we'll never share the good news. The good news is a spiritual subject. Okay. And just talking to someone about Everyday innocent matters is fine, but when will we ever begin to make the transition to talking about spiritual matters? No one is converted unless you make the transition uh, to that higher level of conversing. I think sometimes we're too worried about, about being looked upon as some kind of spiritual nut. And isn't that okay? Isn't that okay? What if someone thinks that we're kind of some kind of a a spiritual radical. That's not the worst thing that can be said about you. Is the worst thing that can be said about you is that you want to stick to the Bible and go about the Bible? I declare to you there are worse things that can be said about you for sure. Okay. And so petitioning for help and taking it to a higher level of conversation and also remembering that all we have to do is go one at a time. Just one at a time. Jesus in John 3 had spent quite a bit of time just with one person, Nicodemus. But that did a tremendous amount of good for the future. And now look at this lady. He spent this amount of time on this day with one Samaritan lady. But look what, the, look what good that did. God pulled Philip when he was in Samaria 
away from a bunch of Samaritans all the way over to a single traveling Ethiopian eunuch. One-on-one. One-on-one. Let's not forget. Let's just do this one at a time. That's all you've got to do. Focus on one person at a time. I hope that we can think seriously more and more about sharing the good news. And there are others who can talk about it a lot better than I can. This is one of my most fervent prayers I pray every day is to be a better soul winner, personal soul winner. I think that's the desire of each one of us. When you look at John 4, you look at the living water, certainly there's something that can be seen here that can help us to share the good news. It may be that as we are considering our lives together this evening, the overriding thought of just the greatness of Jesus, it's very possible for that just to come rushing into, rushing back into our hearts. It did for me as I was looking at this. We, We've been studying this all week long at Bible camp. Our theme was living water. And that over and over again, as, as we read and we read and we read in the, in the Gospel of John, it just kept coming to me, the one, the one who provides the water. If we're not impressed with that one, if we're not giving our life to that one, then all else is in vain. Can we assist one another this evening with any gospel need? Please make your wants, your, your wishes known right now. As we stand together, as we sing, Brother Paul.